0: Welcome to Soulcraft Stories. These are conversations with people that are, in spite of the challenges, hurdles, and the mundane, are writing meaningful and fulfilling life stories. Like you and me, they have families, jobs, responsibilities, basically real life stuff we all deal with. But they aren’t waiting for someday, because that day might be too late to get your story started. They have in their own ways fought back against the resistance of excuses, society, laziness and a bunch of other crap that in the end, when the final chapter is written, is meaningless anyways. They've pursued travel, overcome addictions, learned new skills and set big goals for themselves. Their stories aren't unique, but they're unique to them. So join me as we learn from each one of them and take their insight, advice and turn it into permission ourselves to stop procrastinating and start writing our own great life story so tonight we're joined by steve brennan and thanks so much steve i met steve through a mutual friend and steve and i have been talking a little bit and he's just got some great insight and really awesome story that we're going to get into that's why he's on here he's a husband A father of a daughter and a son, a little bit older, so he's got some wisdom that he can share with the rest of us that maybe have some younger kids in the house. So really looking forward to diving in with Steve. And normally I start these podcasts with little quick questions and we'll ask those maybe later down the road. But I think today is a special day for Steve. It's an anniversary day, so to speak. So I wanted to jump in and turn it over to Steve right away and let him share some of that with us and, and what the day is and why the day is meaningful for him. So, Steve, go ahead and welcome in.
1: Yeah, thank you very much, Brian. Listen, this is something that I've thought about uh, a bunch of times in the last, I don't know, we, you and I have been talking, what, four, six weeks, something like that. And I, I found myself thinking about this a lot. If I'm driving, if I'm riding a bike, you know, times when my mind is, is kind of free to think about things. And I, there's been a lot of things I wish I could have written down that I didn't at the time, but I've, I've very much been looking forward to this. And uh, I was actually off by a day when I said today, May 4th uh, or November 4th, it was actually yesterday. And what yesterday was for me on November 3rd, it represents six months since I've had anything to drink. Awesome. And Congrats. thank you, I appreciate it. And anybody who knows me, and you mentioned Michael Corley, I mean, that's That's not like me at all (laughs) to go six months without a drink. (laughs) And I'm one of those guys that I always drank, you know, always and drank a lot and in control 95% of my life. And I found myself really kind of getting out of control with it over the last, I'd say five, six, seven years. It coincided with honestly developing a pretty strong bout of depression, treating that with drinking more, frankly, just about everything you can think of in your life. If you want it going in one direction, and I was going in the other direction. You know, there's some there's certain events in your life that you're going to remember forever. And for me, it's it's something that occurred on May 2nd between me and my son. And my son's a great kid. Uh, he's, you know, just a fantastic kid. I think my wife would have a, a tendency to possibly enable me. And I think my daughter could have a little of that. My son doesn't. I, he he literally would he would accept no uh, no excuses. He got on to me pretty good on May second. We didn't have an altercation from the standpoint of there was nothing physical about it. Um, but it was a moment where, as a father, it's hard not to feel very low when you realize a twenty one year old is really having the adult side of this conversation with a 55-year-old. It hit me. It's a conversation I didn't want to have at that time. It was late in the afternoon. I'd been drinking all day. And that's not a time you want to have a a conversation with somebody. But he didn't accept that. He didn't accept that answer that I don't want to talk about this. He said, we're going to talk about this. And then when I said, I promise I'm going to do better, his answer was, well, you've said that before. (laughs) So I was in the situation (laughs) where... Okay, we got to have the conversation, which I don't want to have. But you're not listening to anything I'm saying, so it was kind of I kind of did the Muhammad Ali rope a dope. I just covered up, and all right, I'll take your assaults and I'll deal with it. I felt different that moment. I think I had, you know, I had I'd woken up every every day for the last ten years saying I'm I'm going to drink a little less, whether especially on a Monday, and and just didn't do it. But I can tell you that something felt different. Uh, On that Sunday, I just decided, you know what, I'm going 30 days without drinking. And if I can't, I told my family this, if I can't go 30 days without drinking, I'm going to rehab. I told them that, you know, I may go 30 days without drinking and still go to rehab. And I don't know if I meant that when I said it, because I knew I could do that. If that makes sense. It's like it's pretty easy to, to throw that out there when you know you're not gonna have to do that. Not that you know, I think if I think rehab probably could be a great thing for some people. I just never saw myself as someone who needed it. It just everything was different. I, I woke up, I felt miserable about this, the position I was in physically, mentally, every aspect. But I can also tell you that something just felt different. And I don't know if it's a certain resolve. if it's just the knowledge that, look, this has got to be it, things won't get better from here unless I make a drastic change. I did something else that at that moment, I I got on the scale. And I mean, I'm a pretty good sized guy. I always worked out. I, I was relatively fit. And then I just really let myself go. And even though I was still working out a little bit, you know, pushing weights and stuff like that, but not nothing movement wise, I got on the scale and I was 332 pounds. You know, that's that's a big number. I'd never been that big before. I'd, I'd been on the scale once before, about a year earlier, and I was about 320. I decided then I thought, you know, I'm not going to be drinking. That's a bunch of calories I've been taking in. This would be a great time to try to lose a bunch of weight, too. And so I started eating very low carb, keto, uh, pretty much keto. It's funny because. Looking back, I I showed you a couple of pictures from the challenge, and we'll get into that about why I have pictures like that, uh, because it's part of the challenge. But I don't have a picture of me at 332 pounds, and I've had people ask me, it's like, don't you wish you had a before picture? Honestly, if you find yourself in a situation where you feel about yourself like I felt in that moment, the very last thing in the world you want is a picture of yourself, Mm, and it literally is the kind of thing that could shut you down. And that's why I, I didn't. It, it's, it sounds kind of crazy looking back because it would be kind of cool to look at it. But I understand why I don't. And I think it was the right decision. Because, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you've already beaten yourself up a lot, the last thing you want to see is a picture of yourself in, in terrible shape.
0: Yeah, it's, and, it's almost like everyone talks about the mental image. You have a mental image of yourself burned in your your mind. You don't need a picture on your mirror looking back at you yeah. with that mental image. The mental image was hard enough to deal with. Am I right at the at the time? Well, it sounds like
1: no doubt. I mean, mirrors aren't your friend when you're 332 pounds. And but but it is funny though. Mirrors can play a little bit of a trick on you in that you know you can see something in the mirror that's not reality. A picture is reality. you, know, you take a picture of yourself. That's reality. You can look at a mirror and just kind of make yourself think, yeah, you know, I'm not in too terrible shape, but, but yeah, so, so that's why there was no picture. I just started at that moment and just tried to just focus on, I'm going to be better. I'm going to do better. And that's it. I, the next thing I did, which is kind of probably a little odd is I didn't weigh myself for a while because again, I, I mean, I, I tried to think my way through this and I thought, you know, The two things I don't want to feel if I step on the scale, I don't want to feel disappointment and I don't want to feel satisfaction. Both of those things could be damaging because I'm either going to look at a number on the scale after a couple of weeks and be disappointed. Well, you know, what am I doing this for? It's not coming off fast enough. Or it's like, wow, I've lost some weight. This is great. Instead, I just went by how I felt. It's amazing. If if you've been drinking too much, if you really drink a lot, If you can just commit to making yourself go 30 days, just 30 days, because if you've been drinking a lot, like I was, your body is carrying so much stuff. It's carrying so much junk, fluid. It's, it's literally just holding on to all of it. If you can go 30, 30 days, you're going to feel better even before there's any real result or any kind of progress that people are going to notice. I started feeling good in about two weeks. And, you know, nobody was like, wow, you're dropping weight. I felt like I was. And I finally got on the scale after about three weeks and I had lost, I'd lost more than, I think it was 22 or 23 pounds after 21 days. So wow. it's that's not real weight, you know? I mean, that's, that's fluid. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, right. it, it's real weight in the sense that it's gone, but you know, it's not like, you know, uh, losing that much fat. I mean, it was right. just weight. from that point. I just started I kept doing the same thing and I started working out
0: more and moving more. But take everybody through Steve I think when it, when you say 30 days there's a lot of folks that that try diets that try to give up vices. You got through those first 30 days. Walk us through the mindset when you got up in the morning every day because I talk a lot about I'm a big believer in it's the little steps that build the momentum yeah. and that's what you had to do. So what was your mental mindset share with everybody, how you got up every day of those 30 days? Cause every day in those 30 days couldn't have been easy.
1: I won't say I, I certainly wouldn't call it easy, but it honestly was so much less difficult than I would have expected and, and I, I know that's, that's probably not a real compelling answer. Um, it's an honest answer though. I, I think, I think the knowledge of where I was and the resolve to be better. And I knew the path. I knew it so well. I knew what the path was that it's, it's as if the desire to not do what I was doing just wasn't as strong. You know, I was, I was so used to drinking so much beer. I replaced it with. Uh, mostly aha sparkling water. They have a bunch <laughs> of different flavors. Uh, I I've drank I, I've I've drank so much of that it's not even funny. It's uh, it's got a little fizz, so I think that might have been replacing you know the carbonation rather than just drinking straight water or something like that. If you're if you go low carb, if you if you like the kind of things, I mean I love to cook. I mean I like to do barbecue and stuff like that. All the things that are keto are, are things that I liked anyway. The difficulty probably came in things not happening as quickly, even though they, they really were in real terms, they were happening quickly. It's still, you you, you got to get past the idea that the path is going to be so long. That's something that really starts stops you from getting started. If you're in a position like I was, it's easy to sit there and, and think of, I weigh 332. Man, I, I'm not going to look or feel good till I get to about 260. Okay, that's my gosh that's 72 pounds how long is that going to take ah oh, man you know before you know it you're not doing anything good you're you're stuck the 30 days for me is because i think that's a period of time that is long enough that you're going to feel different but it's also short enough to be manageable you know mm-hmm. you don't want to you know the old saying of how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time you right. don't want to think about i got to lose 85 pounds man how am i going to do this that's a long time. That's a long road. Now, make it a shorter road. Set a specific plan. Not not a goal that's a number. And that's something I've yet to do. I've not set a goal that's a number of anything I wanted to do from losing weight. It's the goal was to have a process. And the goal is to do the right things. The number will be what the number will be. In order to get through, I think, the when when times are tough, I think, I think a strategy would be to just think of all the reasons why you want to do this. You know, think of why this is important to you. The truth is, Brian, I think some people, if it's not that important to them, if they haven't gotten there yet, it's probably not going to happen. It's not as if that's a weakness of someone. It's just that the importance is just not there yet. I've had some of my friends that are, you know, every, we've all got friends that are varying degrees of overweight. I mean, the whole country's fat. That's part of the reason. So yeah, we all got friends that could stand to lose a little weight. And it's funny because I've had some, man, I'd, I'd love to lose weight, but I don't really have the time to exercise or I, you know, it's like, you know, they've talked themselves out of it before I've even said a word, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, you know, whatever. And, and it's, there's truth to that. I mean, it's like, you know, oh, I've, you know, I could, I could never give up bread. I can't give up this. I get it. I, I, I totally do because I've had things that I couldn't give up, but I also really believe that if something becomes that important to you, that can, that can be stronger to you than whatever the vice is, whatever the temptation is. Right. I think keep that front and center yeah. of why I'm doing this. And for me, it was the knowledge that, you know, I've got a great family. It, it hits you pretty hard when, you know, I mean, I'll I'll speak about my son. I I know he loves me. I know he loved me. I can't say he respected me. That's a pretty tough thing for a dad to think about. There's there's been times throughout everything that that's one of the things that kept me going is that, you know, I want to be somebody that my family not only loves, because, you know, love's unconditional, but respect. I I want to always be somebody that has that respect. A lot of people aren't ever in a situation where they don't have the respect. and That's great. For those of us, though, who may have taken some wrong turns, it would be meaningful if I could ever say something that could help somebody understand that there is a path and there is a way, to, regardless of where you think you are, to try and get to where, you, where you've always wanted to be and where you saw yourself.
0: Sure. What you just said there, Steve, respect, family, and love. You know, the old adage, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. For the most part, a lot of people have families and friends that love them, but respect is earned. Love is given unconditionally, as they say, but to your point, respect has to be earned. It's interesting here, the dynamic that you don't hear a lot that you just stated was respect of your kids. Parents don't even consider that all the time of earning the respect of your kids. It's not, it's, it's not a birthright necessarily. You have to respect me. No, you as a parent have to show that you're worthy of their respect. And that's what you just went through. Where are you guys now? If I can ask in terms of that respect with your son and, and all that. Well,
1: this is a podcast. So, uh, video won't be on it. So if if I cry, uh, nobody will see me. Uh, It's fantastic. Um, My family has shared so many messages with me as I hit milestones about how much pride they have in what I've done. And it's not, you know, it's not about the physical. I mean, it's really not. I won't kid you. I feel good knowing I don't look like I used to. And I feel good about myself. But What's happened in the ins- on the inside, that's what they're proud of. I mean, I can tell you I'm, I'm a much more pleasant person to be around. Everything, every aspect of, of the family life has improved dramatically. It, it's like a cloud's been lifted. It was, it was raining all the time in the house, and it's not. It's enabled us. I, th- I think the last six months in our family has, has been better than anything that's happened you know, in the last 10 years. They feel the same way. My wife and daughter have been fantastic. And and like I said, my son, my son's a lot like me and that's, uh, that's, that's a source of pride and fear because <laughs> he, um, very bright kid. I, I was actually considered pretty bright at one time. I worry sometimes that I hope he develops the habits that you need to have with, to go with the talent because the habits are what's going to happen later. If you don't have them, you're going to you're going to slip. And that's that's pretty much what's happened with me. And I acknowledge that. And it's a, it's a source of what I work on now is developing habits that I wish I had developed when I was you know 21 years old. Like he is having a little more credibility to have harsh discussions with him are, are kind of what I'm looking to do. Like, OK, you, you came at me and you were right. And, you know, and I'm not saying he, he, he's a fantastic kid, great student. But at the same time, um, you know how it is, you're not a good father unless you want the very best for your kids. And the very best for your kids really, I think, means them being all they can be. It's not a measure of how successful they are based on what other people think. But as a parent, you know what their potential is. And that's what you want, is, is you want your, your kid to have the, the, the tenacity and the habits to develop into the kind of person you want them to be. And to, to really be somebody who strives yep. because that's, that's what sustains you. And that's yep. what lasts.
0: Those habits, Steve, I think. And thanks so much for sharing with us all and kind of opening your soul there a little bit and, and the vulnerability you showed, showed because that takes a lot too. <laughs> Even though we are on a podcast, just, just the courage is, is a lot. And I think people should um, not take that lightly. But that going back to the habits, Sagan, you said a little bit earlier, what got you through the start of this process was the process. It's about the process. It's not about the number that you're shooting for, to use your example of losing a bunch of weight, and you put a bogey out there as a big number, you stop before you even start because you're focused on the number instead of the process. How did you set up your process to be successful and get the results that you got?
1: I kind of lucked into some of it in a sense that I only had two, I had two items to focus on in the beginning. I wasn't going to drink and I'm not going to eat carbs.
0: That's it. Those were my only two charges. That's it. And you woke up basically every day with those two charges. So that was your, that was your process really is you kept it simple though. The process was not overly complicated. It wasn't, some complicated diet or exercise routine or anything right. like that. Just waking up. I got to do these two things as my process.
1: Right. And that was the process in the beginning of a very, very limited, simple thing going back to, you know, our, our, our mutual friend, Michael, he and I exchanged texts after, I think I had been, I think it had been about 86 or 87 days since I'd had anything to drink. And, uh, it was an evening. He sent me a text. I think he had had a few and you know, we were chatted about that. And, uh, and I said, well, he, I think he asked what I'm drinking. And I said, well, I, I don't know if you're sitting down. I said, but it's actually been 87 days or whatever it was since I've had anything. Well, I, I remember what he, he said back and it was a four letter word, <laughs> but starts first word was holy. And then, you know, uh, but the next day he sent me a text and he said, man, he said, I looked at that again last night. He said, or he said, I looked at that again this morning. He said, I, I'm, I'm really proud of you. He said, that's fantastic. You know, I said, hey, you got a minute, let's talk. We started talking. I didn't realize how fortuitous that was, but it, the timing couldn't have been better because at that point I had lost about 50 pounds. Despite still being pretty big, you lose 50 pounds, people notice. And I had mentioned earlier, one of the things you don't want is any sense of complacency. You don't want to feel good about yourself. You want to feel good. You want to feel good about what you're doing. You don't want to feel satisfied to the point that you stop doing what you're doing because that happens all the time. He told me about this plan, this challenge. And it's, it's from a guy named Andy Frisella. And Andy's an entrepreneur. I think he owns a supplement company. And he has, podcast, he has a podcast and he's a motivational speaker. He had this challenge, I guess, his, his board Uh, had told him that he had gotten fat and, you know, this is a guy that used to be in fantastic shape. So he he told him he could get the single digit body fat in 75 days. Once he accepted, once he threw that challenge out there, he figured out "I, I better come up with a plan that gets me there. So he came up with the 75 hard challenge. It's really, it's interesting. It's his program entirely. So it's uncompromising. The rules are his. You can think the rules are stupid. That's fine. You don't have to do it. And so there's certain tasks that you have to do every day. If you don't do everything every single day for 75 days, you start over. And this is all honor-based. I mean, it's not for yourself. Absolutely. This is about, you know, developing yourself and discipline. So, you know, it's the honor system and doesn't cost anything. And the the information's free. He does does have a book that, you know, you can buy. And Michael and I were talking about it. You know, the, the tasks intrigued me. Little did I know how much I needed it. But I absolutely did. And once we went through it and talked about it for a little while, I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. He wanted to do it, but his back is kind of messed up. So the exercise portion of it was going to throw him off. So you know, he didn't get a chance to get started. But the more I thought about it, I just decided that this is something I'm going to do. The tasks on the, on the challenge, and there's, there's five critical tasks that you have to do every single day. Uh, you have to follow a diet. He doesn't tell you what diet to follow. It's just got to be a real diet. It can't just be, I'm just going to have cheeseburgers and fries every day. It's got to be a real diet and you follow it and there's no cheating. There's no cheat meals. There's not a cheat snack. There's nothing. You follow it. That includes no alcohol for 75 days. And it's funny because you had told me six months ago that I was going to be doing a 75 day challenge. And the easiest part of it would be no drinking. I wouldn't have believed you. But that's really how I felt at that time. I was 87, actually it's 97 days in by the time I started. I thought, yes, that's great. That gives me 75 more where I know I won't drink. Another part of the challenge is you have to exercise twice a day for 45 minutes and they can't be consecutive. One of them has to be outdoors. This gets into people, you you start to explain to somebody what it is and they think, well, that's kind of stupid. Well, okay, maybe it is, but it's his program. You want to do his program, you follow his rules. (laughs) And what you learn and he tells you this, this is as much of a mental challenge as it is anything physical. And that's exactly the reason behind the two workouts that are separated, uh, have to be separated by three and a half to four hours. It forces you to make plans. And I can tell you when I was a month and a half into this, I had a meeting, an eight o'clock meeting, two hours and 15 minutes away from my house. One morning, it was the day after labor day. well, I'm starting to plan. I realize, okay, how am I going to do this? You start working backwards. Well, I'll tell you what you do is I'm up at four o'clock doing something, working out, so that I make the requirement. It was that important to me. It's funny because he also doesn't tell you what a workout is. It's up to you. A workout can be as strenuous as you want. It can be an active rest workout. It can be yoga. It's just it's you just got to do something. It's got to be 45 minutes. So that's two of the tasks. Uh, the others. Seem a little strange at times. One of them is to drink a gallon of water a day. And again, no wavering. You have to take a progress picture every single day. You have to snap a picture of yourself without a shirt on if you're a guy. Again, that seems kind of crazy. Why do I got to do this every day? Well, that's just part of the plan. You do it. On, the, on Reddit, there's a forum for people doing this challenge. You'd be shocked at the number of people who fail the challenge 40 days in, 50 days in, because they forgot to take the picture. Again, it's teaching you the discipline. You better plan. You better have a system. One of the other things you have to do, and, and I think this is a brilliant part of this challenge, is you have to read 10 pages a day of a book that's nonfiction. It has to, it can't just be like a history book or anything like that. It's got to be something that's either entrepreneurial or self-help or motivation, those kind of books. And that's a brilliant part of this because as you're doing that, it supplements what you're trying to do with this challenge. When I say this challenge was a blessing for me, I had two, essentially, I had two areas of focus when I started this. Don't drink and don't eat carbs. Doing this challenge and reading the books that I did really rounded out what I hope to be and how I want to live. Supplement just those two items. Those two items may always be here. They may, they may vary. But the idea that you have to have a plan and live intentionally, have discipline. Some people listen are probably laughing, thinking, well, how the hell wouldn't you know this before? Okay, that's fair. But the truth is, having a plan is something that I I didn't ever really have as far as I didn't start every day with a plan unless it was done for me. Having a specific idea of what I want to do and how intentional I'm going to be in several facets of my life is something that has been invaluable. I finished the challenge. It was two weeks ago tonight that I finished the challenge. I kind of struggled a little by not having to do those things anymore. I'm replacing them. It's like Stockholm syndrome. You know, it's like I was a prisoner to it, but you know, I kind of fell in love with it.
0: I would say the misconception out there about processes like that, because it really is. He's teaching you, a process, a day-to-day process to not physically get better, that's a result of the yes. pro- the mental process that he's building in you. Yeah. That's what that challenge is all about. And the misconception out there around diets and everything about focusing on the goals and the results and why people fail is because they fail to build the mental process. Right. And they also, like you said, that... <sighs> It's kind of weird, I've, I've been through things like that myself, where you mentioned the Stockholm Syndrome and the, and the prisoner effect, that, but in a way, it's freeing. The process frees you. I wouldn't discount what you just said, because a lot of people don't get that, Steve. In my opinion, that those types of mental process building things are actually more freeing, because they remove clutter. Yes. I
1: give you clarity,
0: no doubt. Yep. So that leads me into my next question now. So you're sitting at the end of this. You've had huge success over the last six months, big milestone, but now you're w- walking into a little bit of unknown. Mm-hmm. So what in life are you afraid of now? What, what are your, some of your fears that you're, you're holding now?
1: I think it's a fantastic question. And my fears really center around still not being all I hope that could be, if that makes sense. Um, I, don't, I don't fear going back to a guy that drinks way too much and, and gets, you know, extremely heavy. I don't fear that at all because I, I, there's, there's, no, there's no underlying reason that caused those things anymore. You know, I've, I've essentially self-treated, which, which really isn't the right way to do it. I encourage anybody, if you ever feel about yourself like I did, get some help. Don't, don't just struggle through it like I did. But I got through in a way that I think I can, I can move forward and not fear going back to that. I fear I'm always going to have the tenacity. I fear not having quite as much as I had while I was doing that challenge. I, I have got to replace that challenge on a daily basis and I've got to come up with a program and I still haven't done that yet. I told myself I was going to do that before I was done 75 hard. A series, and I think 30 days is a perfect time frame for me. A series of items that I'm going to hold myself accountable to On a 30-day rolling basis that's going to focus on diet, exercise, self, you know, self, not self-help, but essentially personal development and examining all the relevant aspects of your life, whether it's your your finances, whether it's what you are as a person, spiritual, volunteering. I'm going to include an element in every aspect of my life and evaluate everything on a 30-day basis. I'm working to try to put a plan in place. Meanwhile, I'm still just kind of holding on to some of the things I did in the program, you know, still working out every day, still sticking to a diet, revisiting some of the things I read while I was blowing through these books. I don't think I quite spent as much time with some of them as I should. And I'm revisiting two of them in particular. One is on uh, atomic habits, which uh, from James clear, which is really good. great book, And then Brendan Brouchard, who's another motivational speaker and uh, leadership development guy. And he actually has a book that's free. You know, it's, it's fantastic. And it's, it's all about really, you know, being intentional all the things we've talked about and having clarity in what you're doing. As I was going through this, the first time I, I didn't do all the work, you know, all the workbooks. I didn't do all those things and I'm revisiting those and doing those because I don't think it's necessary to keep, uh, you know, chewing through all these different books, you know, pick one and live it and you're going to be fine. They're all the same. It's funny. I've, I've read some that were, I mean, one of them, the magic of thinking big was written in 1959. And it's amazing how relevant it is in 2020, even though it's hysterical to read it because you realize how much society has changed because in this book in 1959, every example in business is a man. You know and his secretary is doing you know these things and it's it's kind of funny there's no bullet points in this book either it's like we're a PowerPoint society now. Right. You know, oh god oh god
0: I gotta read the whole page
1: I absolutely <laughs> you do and it's funny because you, you you turn the page you're like wow that's a whole bunch of words on both on both pages. Uh funny I mean it literally does it it, it jumps out at you just how different everything is now but but the message is the same. I mean it really is and it, it, it talks about just, you know, having clarity about what you want to do, being positive. You know, one of the things that I, I think it was in that book, or it might have been one of the others, and I've made myself do this. And I'm telling you, it makes a huge difference. In the past, when someone asked you, hey, you know, how are you doing? I'm, I might have said, oh, not too bad. Something like that. Can't complain. No, I answer, I'm doing great. How about you? I say that every time now. It absolutely makes you feel better. As silly as that sounds, it makes you feel better. I I give myself pep talks before I go into a sales call. I I literally, I I teach myself, you know, I've I've taken part of the teachings from there and it's like, all right, I'm going to breathe deeply and I'm going to be positive and I'm walking in there and nobody can say no. And you know what? It makes you feel better
0: and it absolutely works. It really does. It does. The books, 50 year old books, 60 year old books might be old, but we as humans haven't evolved that much. And these little mental mind games we can play with ourselves, it's amazing how powerful they can be if we repeat them, if we create a process around them and keep doing it over and over and over again, it becomes habit then. And it does psych you up. It does put you in the right frame of mind. It does those little things. All these things, your fears, your accomplishments you've done, and before we got onto the podcast, we were just talking about the whole premise of Soulcraft is writing your own story, living intentionally. You had some pretty insightful words about how you initially felt and what you've been thinking about your story. So tell us a little bit about that and what it means to you.
1: Well, it when, when I first thought of, you know, in being asked about my story, it it almost felt like it's a little pretentious for me to think I've actually got a story. It's like, come on, really? You know, a story is for somebody who's really done something incredible. As everything's evolved, I've become a little more comfortable with the idea when someone calls it your story. And when everybody's got a story. I, I was slow to pick up on that. But I started to try to step back a little bit from what's happened and allow myself to just not be complacent, but allow myself to really appreciate what's happened, be more thankful than ever for how it happened and the people around me that it, it couldn't have happened without. That's essentially my story. But my story going forward, in addition to just doing the things to help myself that I want to do, I really would like to help other people somehow that, that feel the same way about themselves that, that I have. I'm trying to figure out how to do that. I've had a couple of people, had some people at the gym that have asked me some questions that, you know, Hey man, you know, what have you done? I, uh, you know, cause I mean, I, like I said, I always worked out, but you know, man, it's, it's, what have you been, you know, what have you done to, to do all this? One of these guys that I saw the other day is a couple of weeks ago. And this guy's in a little worse shape than I was. He working out and doing some things and he made some sort of comment to me about, you know, something like, man, I wish I was in your shape. I just, I had my phone. I said, well, I, I got to show you something. I said, this was me in May. He said, Are you serious? I said, yeah. And I said, you know, it's, it's not easy. I said, but it's so worth it. Just commit to give yourself a, a short period of time and just make yourself do it. The reward is incredible. You, you're gonna, you're gonna feel so much better about yourself. I said, but don't, don't ever think somebody doesn't appreciate where you are and doesn't feel for you. You know, they may be, you know, you, you can look at some other people and, and think, oh, that guy, you know, not sp- speaking of me, cause I'm not in fantastic shape, but you see these people in great shape. It's kind of funny. Cause in a gym, you got a lot of meatheads. We all know that, but you also have some of the nicest people that really care about people who are trying to help themselves. And they don't look at people with judgment and they don't look at people that you know that aren't in great shape and, and think anything like that. Instead they, they really wish they could figure out a way to help. And I think I've got a little bit of a different perspective having been pretty darn heavy and I'm I'm not in great shape by any stretch yet. But I'd like to figure out a way to help people because I know firsthand you can't feel good about anything when you're that big. You just don't. You know, trying to figure out a way to get through to some people would be exciting for me. I had a presentation the other day and i was talking to this nurse really really large large girl and while we're sitting there i'm talking to her i notice i mean she's pulling her her scrub top out about every five seconds so it doesn't hang down on her but i I was so distracted because i just i just i wanted to stop and say you know what i know exactly how you feel you know, it, it's literally something that consumes you and it prevents you from, from feeling anywhere near as good about yourself or, or life as you should. It sounds crazy, but it, it's so daunting when you're in that position and it's the, the unhappiness can be so strong. I'd like to figure out how can you try to get through to some people like that? I really want to incorporate that into whatever I become. I'd like to figure out a way to do that as well, whether it's as a volunteer I mean, I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not a personal trainer, but I think I am somebody that that has a lot of compassion and, and, a, and a lot of essentially self-acquired knowledge on, on how you can get out of a bad situation. That's
0: something I'd like to do. I think, Steve, that's unbelievable. We all, We also tend to overestimate the credentials of folks, like a, a nutritionist. The reality is, take nutrition. We all know what should be a good diet. It's not complicated. It really isn't. 99 out of 100 people, if you ask them, what would a good diet look like? They would pass the test with flying colors. Yeah. No knock on nutritionists, but we know mentally what we need to do. Working out, how to take care of our bodies. All these things aren't complicated. And, and again, I will say there's trainers and stuff at the gym. There's, there's physiology getting into the finer points. So I, I don't want to discount everything that they do. But just like you said before, you can walk yourself through it. Sometimes you need a hand, but I don't think it needs to be somebody with three letters behind their name or sure. plaques on the wall. Mm-hmm. So am I, very one person humble. Again, I'm starting a podcast and I know nothing about podcasting because because these are the exact, Your story are the stories that I want people to hear because I think it is relevant. Because it isn't to your point. Somebody that's gone off and done thirty Ironmans and they have medals yeah. on the wall and they're you know a gold medalist. and no, it's regular Joe's like you and I who have families and jobs that have great stories. And the fact that you want to start writing your next chapters about sharing and coaching and helping people through the same process, because you know, people are out there struggling. I think you can provide as much value or more than a nutritionist or a, a trainer because you've been there, you've done that. And it's more about the mental process, absolutely, to help people through.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, it you're right. I mean, the, the 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 knowledge of of what to do that's the easy part. It's it's okay. What is behind you mentally to keep you from doing what you already know what to do? You know, what what's in the way? Maybe that's you know. I, I guess you need a psychologist, a nutritionist, and a personal trainer all rolled into one. But seriously, I mean, it, it is, it's the mental side. Like you said, how do you get to the point where it becomes so important to you that th- that's the only alternative there is naturally there's always going to be a distraction, but the clarity to, in this, the, the decision, once you make the decision that this is important enough to me, that this is now my priority to take care of myself so that I can you know be there for my family. Um, I, you know, I had a, I have a very good friend. He had a heart attack about three weeks before, before I started my plan and he had 95% blockage in the, uh, LAD, which is the, uh, the artery, they order artery. I'm trying to remember what it is. I think it's an artery. Uh, that's the one they call the widow maker. You know, when someone has a heart attack and, oh, yeah, I've
0: heard of they, it for sure. Yeah.
1: They generally die. And he didn't. Uh, like I said, it was 90% blockage. And I, I made a comment to one of my buddies then. I said, You know, I just want, if I die, I would like at least somebody to say, Wow, it's hard to believe. He was in such good shape. You know? <laughs> <And> <laughs> back in, in May, if Fada had that heart attack and died, yeah, it sounds about right. You know, I mean, I hate to say it like that, but that's just the truth. It's amazing that we can be in a position where you're doing such. It's like you ignore what, what a detrimental effect it is having on your health. I mean, it, it opens your eyes once you start moving and you start trying to be better about everything. You just look around and you think, gosh, I wish everybody would, would decide we all just need to, to be in better shape. COVID, the way it's ravaging us, I mean, you know, they don't talk a lot about it because there's an idea that you don't want a body shame. And and There's a lot of truth to that because the last thing people that are really heavy need is is people piling on and telling them how heavy they are. People that are that that heavy, I mean, they know how heavy they are. They feel miserable. So yeah, they don't don't need anybody piling on and and telling them that. They know it. But but at the same time, you wish people were more cognizant and, and, and more willing to recognize how bad the obesity epidemic is. When you look at At COVID, and you look at the, you know, who's incredibly sick, who's dying, the rate of the comorbidity of obesity in these people, it's it's off the charts. It's almost as if society has accepted that it's too normal. It's a very damaging thing, and I just love to see a change in that area. You know, I mean, who am I? Six months ago, I was in horrible shape, but I can tell you now, it's like I'll never give up the feeling I have now of how good it feels to move be active and be physical it's the the greatest thing in the world
0: since we're on the morbidity morbidity subject once your story once the final chapter is written you mentioned hey i would like them to say gosh you had a heart attack and that doesn't seem right because now you're in great great shape but really really. (laughs) we've we've talked about your family your son your friends when your final chapter is written what do you want them to say about your story?
1: Yeah, I, I think that it was somebody that, that somehow figured it all out at the end. That, that may not have known exactly what they were doing, but finally got it right and never gave up trying to develop. And that would be, that would be a, a, a tremendous feeling for me to know that I left the legacy for, for everyone who knew me that I didn't give up and I kept striving and I, and I tried to improve.
0: Never gave up trying to develop. That sums it up. I think right there, Steve, if we could all just strive to do that, it goes back to the process. We talked about the mm-hmm. process of life, the process of creating your story, the process of improving yourself and whatever it is. And we've had this whole conversation with two regular Joes, one named Brian, one named Steve that you shared so much about a life story that is still ongoing. That is still creating this had some huge chapters in it, very successful chapters, almost I'll say like the hero's journey. You're really living out the hero's journey right now, which is incredible. And I would say to everybody out there that's listening, Steve is the guy next door. Truly. We met because (laughs) a guy next door knew you who lives kind of down the street from me or mutual friends. It's, it's the guy next door story. Not the folks you always see in lights, not the guru online who sells the latest diet craze or anything like that. Go talk to the Steve Brennan's next door of the world. Because Steve has said it already. He wants to share a story. He wants to help. He wants that to be the next chapter or chapters in his life. It's just been incredible. And thank you from the bottom of my heart, Steve, for, for the openness and vulnerability you've shared with all of us through this, through your process and through this conversation has been fantastic.
1: Thanks. I mean, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, It's it's kind of funny when you talk about the vulnerability. I find myself (laughs) being so much more open now. It's it's I I don't have any real hint of shame. You know, I'm not proud of what I was, but it also, like I said, I I don't have any shame about it because I think one of the most important things you can do is try to let the past go if it's if it's not great. That's the hardest thing in the world to do. I've I've really tried hard to. Anytime I I let myself slip into that that thinking, of you know some mistakes you may have made, it's like well that you know that that's not helpful. Let's let's move forward. But it is funny because I, I do find myself just being a lot more open with people, and yeah. you know, I don't care. <laughs> I really do. <don't>.
0: Uh, <laughs> you know, like hey, we've only all got as far as I know, and as far as anyone has ever proven, we all only have one story. Let's write the best one for each one of us we can. And the pages ahead of us are blank. The pages behind us are already written. That's so right. to your point, you can't worry about those. Those are the inks dried. Let's look forward. I just want to say thank you to Steve. Uh this has been a phenomenal conversation. I'm sure we'll have Steve back as he goes along. And and that's kind of a theme I want to carry out is touching base with folks and what they're doing and hearing about the next chapter in Steve's life with helping other people go through the process that he just went through. So Steve, thanks again. Really appreciate your time this evening. Well,
1: thank you, Brian. Like I said, it, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoy going through the whole process because it's it's like you said, it's your life. It, it's your journey. We all pick up things. I mean I, I learned some things in talking to you tonight too. And it's just like it, it's great to hear because Uh, We're all sponges and and we all all copy. And there's things I can learn and and I'm happy to, to, to learn and I'm also happy to help. But this has been a lot of fun.
0: Well, to walk a mile in someone's shoes. Isn't it amazing how much we can learn and be motivated by each other just by taking the time to listen to someone's story? It's not always the gurus and experts that have the answers or can provide the spark for us. It might just be the Steve Brennans of the world that live across the street. Thanks Tribe for tuning in and just a reminder if you've got a sec leave a comment and also head over to soulcrafttribe.com to sign up for the email list. I promise not to send a lot of crap but it's a good way to stay connected and hear when we roll out new episodes and some other stuff we have planned. Thanks again and have an awesome day.